Welcome to the Carb Appropriate Podcast. I'm your host, Cliff Harvey. This song don't give a damn. Yeah. If the rhymes don't fit with the DJ, quit. Yeah. This song don't give a damn. Yeah. You can't sing or dance to it, can't romance to it. This song ain't arrogant. Uh. If you don't try and buy it, or if your radio denies it, don't care about what, who got, what's cool on TV, or what spots hot, I forgot. Yeah. I ain't mad at evolution. For revolution, get up. Enough is enough. Hey, somebody stand up. Come on, get up. Stand up. Get up. Stand up. Get up. Stand up. It's great to meet you, probably. Yeah, likewise. Yeah, I've seen um, obviously the the you know fire tonic popping up. For quite a few years now, you, you've had the company for quite a long time. Yeah, 2014, I think, was when we started out. And, um, yeah, we, we, we kind of, the origins were that we've got a, um, we've got four boys and a uh, couple of them are on the spectrum. And uh, we were sort of investigating sort of the gut-brain link. So we did a whole heap of fermenting and, um, you know, restrictive type diets, that sort of stuff. And we found that, um, you know, some fermented foods along with um, limiting um, wheat and dairy uh, really was, was quite helpful for us. And so one of the things that we started playing around with was this concept of fire cider. And, um, and then our fire tonic, master tonic was kind of born out of that. We literally had a friend that was the owner and operator, not the owner, sorry, the manager of a... Um, of a like a provador type small goods artisan store in St Kilda, which is a trendy part of Melbourne in Victoria, who said that's the kind of stuff we're looking for. You could you know you can sell that in a shop. Um, so that was our our castle esque moment. That's an Australian movie. <laughs> I'm not sure if you know the reference, but uh, yeah, so, castle. Yeah, of course we know it. <laughs> yeah, so you can sell that. That was our you can sell that in a shop moment. Yeah. Hey, that's um, that's super interesting. I didn't realise there was that sort of personal health story behind it. Um, what did you did you notice anything particularly from, say, the the fire cider that you know eventually became your fire tonic? Did you notice anything particularly from that, or was it more that you were just getting into the idea of cultured and fermented foods? It was more us getting into the idea of cultured and fermented foods. And my wife was the one that started playing around with it and investigating it. And then, you know, I started having sniffing a sniff around and then oh, it's quite addictive. So we were making um, sauerkrauts and kimchi and, you know, fermented drinks and milks and all kinds of stuff. Um, and the, 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 the fire side of the fire, our fire type was just, born of one of those things which um we really everyone liked that the whole family liked it was easy to have daily um we really noticed had a significant effect on bolstering um it was like it just bolstered our our um uh I'm trying to it's like sturdy i'm trying to think our sturdiness or our hardiness it just like we felt was a lot more bulletproof on it and um you know for the last few years have been well, last time we've seven seven or so years we just have it as a daily tonic and, you know, we've been feeling great from that. And we've had a lot of testimonials, a lot of people um, 
you know, like you've got to be careful with claims and that sort of stuff. So we don't really claim anything other than the like, tra traditional uses include for this, that and the other. And that we've, we, we just get a lot of people report back to us saying, oh, you know, I found it really helped with my, with my gut health or we've had some people have cleared up some sores and that sort of stuff. But, you know, we, we, we instantly took the piss out of ourselves at the start of it by making it look like, you know, snake oil. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So we don't take ourselves too seriously, but, you know, we do genuinely, um, you know, love and use the product. It also kind of looks like bourbon whiskey, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, so uh, I actually have been swigging from the bottle in the car and had some funny looks um, at, the, at the lights. Yeah. <laughs> so it's got, got that, so we're trying to put our personality in it and um, it's got like that naughty nice sort of thing that we quite like as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting one because... You know, so many people, well, that I know at least, and, you know, I've been in the game for a long time. I've been practicing since the, the 1990s. You know, I came from a naturopathic background, ended up in, you know, the, the more sort of nerdy end of nutrition, doing research and all that kind of stuff. But through all that time, there's this idea of the, I guess, the fortified, you know, vinegar type tonics. Um, so you've got your cultured foods, you've got the addition of usually chili and a few other things. And they tend that people tend to report whether it's placebo or not, that they just feel better or they feel clearer or they have less colds or whatever it happens to be. Now, I think that, um, you know, we certainly have at least some research backing the use of vinegar, but I don't think there's been a lot of research on, on using these types of traditional tonics. Um, but the anecdotal, you know, claims at least are very strong. So it's an interesting sort of area. And I think it begs for more research. Maybe that's something I need to get into. Oh, a hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. If you um, need, need some for your research, just sing out and I'll send it <laughs> over in bulk for you so that you can have a play with it. Because uh, yeah, well, if you have a think back to, you know, 400 BC, Hippocrates Oximal was, that was his, um, you know, panacea for most things. And that was just uh, vinegar and honey. So that was like the very base formula. Interesting. Um, and, and so um, from, from there, there's been all different types of, you know, the four thieves vinegar in the plague and that type of thing. So there's been various different iterations along the way. Um, and ours is just essentially, you know, born from what we were, what I could easily access and growing and what I liked flavour wise that also each had its uh, nutritional benefits. So we've got like over 20, you know, sort of locally grown roots, fruits and shoots in ours and you know like the stuff like the horseradish in it is great for the decongestant and the the turmeric and um you know peppercorns are, are great for anti-inflammatories and the honey is a great antiseptic and you know the vinegar itself is great to um you know help if you're like just general soreness and cramping and that sort of stuff so it's just each each ingredient you know garlic each ingredient brings its own essence uh to it and just look the overall effect uh, look, I'm not a scientist, but um, the overall effect, as as you've rightly pointed out, anecdotally, you know, it works for people. Some people have it because of the taste. Some people have it in spite of the taste because of the, the, the how that makes them feel. And we find that, you know, like we have a lot of elite athletes and pro servers and that sort of stuff, especially through winter. They love the the warmth that it gives from the inside out and that sort of that really nice warming effect. And we've been, at, you know, at markets and, and tastings and stuff like that. And people have a bit and they'll give a little bit of a phytonic face and a shiver. <laughs> and then they'll come back half an hour later saying, I feel really good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Can I have another shot? I mean, I, I love, you know, the, the sensory aspect of, of foods like this, you know, I love pickled foods. I love 
fermented foods. I love vinegar. I put vinegar on everything. I put vinegar on rice. I put it on any kind of grain. You know, I just love it. Um, but I'm a real chili fan as well. Uh, and I think that there is, you know, again, I don't think this has been researched all that much, but everyone who has really hot chilies, I mean, we used to grow Carolina Reapers, you know. We okay, so at that um, end of the scale. Yeah, and so we will eat them whole and, you know, that you do get wow. a very interesting feeling afterwards. Now, some people call yeah. it chili high, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but those sensory aspects that then translate into physiology, they're very hard to mimic in research because yeah. you couldn't obviously you can isolate the chemicals and you could maybe give them to people in a capsule that's one aspect of it mm. but of course when we're talking about food we're talking about more than that and you can't flavor match a placebo so it's actually quite difficult to study and so i think with a product like yours you know and i'm not obviously here to to sell any product i'm just interested in, in your sort of story around it particularly from the business side actually uh, but I think when when we have products like this, it's interesting to look at all the constituent ingredients and obviously they work synergistically, but you know, there is a, a lot of both um, traditional use and also evidence behind all of those things. You know, you mentioned garlic and chili and turmeric, you know, obviously there's volumes of evidence around all those things. Yeah. And we find that like I, people ask me like, when, how much I've taken, when should I take it and that sort of stuff. So I look, You've got to work that out for yourself. For me, I actually like having a shot as the first thing in the morning because I actually find I, I feel like I get a real metabolic hit from whether it's the chilies or the – it just sort of wakes me up and gets me all ready to go. And, and then yeah. another way that I, I like to have it is I like to have like a little dash in water with my meals. It's like a digestive. Because as we know, like, you know, they, 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 it, can, it can help um, – vinegar can help sort of um, – be a digestive aid and help with the, I think it's the secretion of the, um, of the, is it hydrochloric acid that the stomach releases to help digest the meats and stuff like that? Yeah, it certainly can help with that. And obviously acids help with iron and other mineral absorption. Uh, yeah, that's, right. you know, a well-known effect. Uh, but acetic acid from vinegar itself is pretty interesting because it's, <clears throat> it's a ketogenic compound, you know, it's a very short chain uh, fatty acids, so it has a potential effect on ketogenesis. That's my area of research. Yeah. Um, but it also, there is research out of, I think, Japan showing that it increases, or sorry, improves um, blood glucose homeostasis. In other words, our blood sugar responses after meals. So that, that's kind of cool as well, because, yeah, yeah even I've if it's a small I've... effect, you yeah, know, yeah. If people are maybe they're, they're on that spectrum of metabolic disorder and they're taking some vinegar with a meal. Hey, it, it's, it's probably going to help, even if it's just a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting. We've, we've also, like, we've had a lot of, um, and I know that you're a jiu-jitsu player, and we've had a lot of... I um, indeed. <laughs> we, we've, we've, we've had a lot of um, UFC people really, um, and martial artists, really like it as a kind of like a nutritional um, fortifier when they're going through heavy training and trying to make weight, um, just as it's an easy thing to get in. It's calorically, you know, bugger all. And, um, but it just helps, like, we've had them just say the swear by it was they're making weight and coming into comps and, and that sort of stuff is just, they just often get sick. And yeah. um, so that, that's been, that's been really interesting for us too. Yeah. I noticed that, um, you know, you've obviously had a really big uptake with surfers and, and also like MMA fighters, jujitsu players, mm -hmm. people like that. Is that, is that, was that a coincidence or are those things that you're into? Um, Probably a little bit of both through the fact that we could, because we're, we live in Torquay, 
um, which is on the surf coast of Victoria. And we, we generally have the Rip Curl Pro here each year, although the last two we've missed out because of the COVID restrictions. Um, so we're exposed to surfing and surfers. So um, we've got a real, you know, like a really good, strong local community. So there's been a lot of support for, for us and, and for, for this product. So it's in all the shops. So when you come down here and visit, you kind of have to get exposed to it. And so that's sort of how we got on to the surfing side of it. And, and I'm really into the UFC. So, <laughs> so that's no coincidence there. Yeah. And so awesome. I've got um, boys that have um, done, you know, jiu-jitsu and Muay Thai and all that sort of stuff. Like my oldest was a multiple, you know, national champion in jiu-jitsu and that sort of stuff. So we really like wow. all that stuff. Huh. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, you know that I'm into jiu-jitsu. It was mm. a, interesting thing for me because I, I always thought that I'd gravitate towards the striking art. So I did, um, well, I, I did judo when I was a kid actually, but I did judo, um, karate when I was a kid, I moved into Muay Thai, ended up in orthodox boxing and that's where wow. I thought I would basically go. And so I was, my goal was to make the New Zealand Commonwealth games team. Um, okay. unfortunately I took a few pretty heavy hits to the head and eventually, um, my coach said, it's a mugs game, mate. Like he, he obviously is a coach and he loves it. We all love it. But he mm. said, you know, you, you've got other things on. Um, this is probably a, a bit too high risk at this point, having had quite a few concussions. So um, anyway, I moved up to Vancouver and uh, lived up there for about five years. And after moving up there, I sort of thought I'd, I, I you know, wanted to just meet a few new people. And because I've always been into martial arts, I thought I'd hit up the local MMA gym. So initially I just started training for Muay Thai. Eventually I actually ended up having a, um, a pro fight up there in, in boxing, which I probably shouldn't have done. Mm. But after that, I gave it away completely. And I thought, I, I still want to keep the gladiatorial side up. And so um, I saw all the guys rolling around in their pajamas and thought, oh, eventually I'll probably get into that. I started off just doing catch wrestling and submission, submission grappling. Um, so catch wrestling is really my, my key thing. That's what I love the most. Yeah, right. Um, but as soon as I got into it, it, it just overtook everything else. I, you know, loved it. And I sort of realized that this could be as compared to me striking, you know, this could be a forever game because yeah. having said that I've just come off a separated shoulder or a broken rib. Mm -hmm. So you still get the hot injury, but at least I'm not getting hit in the head. Anyway, I'm getting yeah. to a point here. I, um, when I started catch wrestling, my old man gave me a call and said, Oh, you know, your, your granddad was a champion catch wrestler. And oh, really? He was actually a very well-known in New Zealand. He was known as the strongest man in Northland, and he was a very well-known catch wrestler. In fact, he beat the American champ who went on to become the world champ at the time. Wow. So there, there's that... Um, Some pedigree. Yeah, apparently. And um, the old man was a judoka as well, so he had sort of taken on that grappling sort of thing. So, yeah, it was definitely in the, in the blood, I think. So I, I love it now. Yeah, well, I was nothing. I was a foot, I was an Aussie rules footballer and, and that, that was about it for me. But my, well, that, my that's just running a marathon every weekend, right? <laughs> <laughs> and getting yeah, lots of lumps and bumps. My, um, my eldest boy, yeah, he went from that and you know, he did some boxing and, um, but now he's a, um, he breaks in horses and, and that sort of stuff up in the, you know, the central, North central Australia. And he, wow. he's, um, yeah, he, he's, I see what I like about jujitsu is for, for a cerebral person like yourself, it's a bit of a chess game, physical chess game. So I know you'd appreciate that. And they don't get the knocks to the head. And so I love my son doing jujitsu, but he just sends, he's at that age where he just likes challenging himself with more risky stuff. He's only 21 and stuff. So he's, you know, he's getting concussed from getting bucked off 
horses and you know, going down this ramp and doing that sort of stuff. But I think jiu-jitsu, I, I love that element to jiu-jitsu. You can do it for a long time and you can keep the old, you know, noggin intact. Absolutely. Hey, so I want to take a bit of a step back. Uh, what Before you started Hillbilby Foods and before mm. you got into the fire tonic stuff, what, what were you doing? Well, for me, well, we had a learn to swim centre, um, which was one. So I'm a, I'm a, um, I did a Bachelor of Education in Physical Education and, and, and Maths and a little bit of Science back in my day. And I taught, I taught, um, you know, for a while in tertiary education. And I, I even took a bit of ex-phys at, um, at uni back in Bendigo, which is in central Victoria. So my, my background was in education and um you know, one, uh, a single wage with four boys in education probably really wasn't going to cut it. So we had to sort of venture out and look at, well, how can we use those skills of, you know, group management and that sort of stuff in um, a, com- a commercial way. And it ended up being an opportunity presented to, to get a Learn to Swim Centre, a franchise Learn to Swim Centre, which we, which we did. And we ran that for 13 years. And, and then, um, you know, being a franchise and that sort of stuff and being a creative person, it did limit some of the ideas that I had, you know, there's a lot of processes and, and ways and means and one, one best ways and means in place and sort of, it ended up um, being a little bit too square peg round holdy, but it was great to learn about business and there were great people that I was working with and, you know, I've still got a really strong friendship with my business partner from that who I actually went through uni with back in the day, um, who's in Canada, who's in Canada now setting up. Um, his own swim schools over there, um, but yeah, my background was in was in education and um, and and learn to swim. Well, so this is a pretty big departure. I mean, obviously you had the background in physical education and things, so I guess you understood a lot about health. But it's quite a different business, really. Yeah, we we literally <laughs> uh, so we, I basically used my long service leave, if you like. Um, to set up the swim school and then I created like a similar sort of environment. So we, at one point, like about nine years ago, we decided to move just as a lifestyle move. We decided to move down to the coast because I, I love, I love the, I love Torquay and I love the ocean and I love, I love it down here. Uh, and I wanted to raise the boys around, around the beach in a, in a bit of a quieter place. It's gotten, gotten busy now, but I just like small. I, I don't like mm. things too busy. I like the country sort of feel and, and a country element. I like the sense of community down here. And um, so we took, we, t- we took that plunge and, um, you know, took some time out from the learn to swim business just to play around in this, in this food space. I- I've always loved food. I've been in- we've been interested with the boys in, in the health and benefits of di- different foods and the, the, the sort of the, the, the mind gut link and, um, and, you know, flavors I've always, you know, had a, a good palate, which is sometimes a blessing and sometimes a curse. But in our job right now, um, it's actually every single batch of fire tonic is whilst, you know, because the, the ingredients are seasonal, um, it's, it's done to taste. So sometimes you'll need a bit more of this and you have to back that off a little bit. And, you know, um, at, at the end, it might need a little more fresh chilli for a, a few weeks. And, but, uh, you know, that's actually become quite an asset. Um, yeah. and, uh, but it, it is a big departure from what, what we used to do. And it was a big step. Now we're solely dependent. It's our, it's our sole source of income is, is Hillbilly cultured food. Wow. And so you, you started by just fermenting the stuff, brewing it all up yourself and you, you still do that. Yeah. Yeah. So we started just doing it from our house here in Torquay, mm-hmm. just a residential place. And we had, we literally had 
you know, we started in, in glass demijohns um, and then we found it was a bit hard to get it out of the neck, but it looked beautiful as it was, as it was sort of steeping. Um, and then we, we then transitioned to, um, you know, 20 kilo sort of drums and we had them stacked up three deep and three high all through, like you could you had to like walk through our house through our long hallway. You actually had to get past all the, all the firetonic drums. And look, we ended up feeling like um, that we had a critical mass and the, the business prospect was, you know, although it was still speculative, it was enough to, to try and move it out of the house, it was it was a bit much pressure on the on the house, but still being a home and a business, having people clock in at nine o'clock, coming and doing this, and it just it found you know, I don't know, uh, it's nice to have the house essentially back as a home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and we're just about to move again to a um, to an, an, another HQ um, in a quieter part of town. It's quite busy where we are where we are now and um, that's going to be that's going to be an exciting move as well but we've got enough to sustain it um, COVID was was a challenge um, and you know just the whole it's, it's interesting because the challenges when you're a new product are different to when you're an established product and so when you're a yeah. shiny new product people want to put you on their front bench and you, you know but then once a couple of Christmases come around and the, and the chocolate Santas go up, you're not guaranteed to get back up there. And so we found like we thought initially, Oh, this is, this is great. And this is going to be, you know, amazing. And um, you know, the, the trajectory, the tra- trajectory looked really promising. And then you find that, Oh, hang on, look, we're not the shiny new product anymore. We've got it. We really need repeat. We nearly need to make sure that, we, you know, we are reminding people that, you know, um, we're a, we're a year round product. We probably leaned on a little heavier in winter and that sort of stuff, but we had to start being a bit more mindful of um, getting in people's faces and, you know, and trying to introduce ourselves to, to new, a new customer base and, and also reminding our existing customer base, Hey, are you out of tonic? Are you you're still having it daily, you know, as a preventative because uh, you know, it's the old story. People get a niggle in their throat or, you know, I get a bit sinusy or something. And they're like, oh, that's right. I need to go get some of that. But, you know, that's all that stuff is really preventable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, um, I mean, you obviously made a pretty big splash pretty early on because I remember Firetonic being mentioned to me. It must have been shortly after your release, really. Yeah. You know, and I don't know whether it was available in New Zealand very shortly afterwards, but I know some some people that, that I work with, you know, had the stuff and they, they thought it was pretty cool. And so they showed it to me. I thought it was pretty cool as well. There's obviously a bit of a, um, a challenge for me personally with, with one of the aspects of it, which we'll talk about. But that obviously showed that you, you made a pretty big impact very quickly. Uh, why do you think that happened? Do you think it was just the nature of the product or did you get it in the hands of some really influential people early on? Uh, it's a good question. I think that there was nothing else. So in, in, in Australia and New Zealand, there was, there, I think we're first to, first to market with a product like that. So I think it was just, I think we essentially created that category now. Um, and so I just, I, I think that it was, we were so new. Um, I think that the, the, the look of the, the bottle was you know had some sort of uh, had some sort of appeal to it because it was interesting it looked like that old school cheeky stuff it invited you in to read a bit more and and as yeah. you know we, we made a couple of gaffes with our with our um with our terminology early on i mean uh, I, I 
in addition to the one that we'll talk about um, that you brought to our attention early on, we, we'd made another one previous to that. And we, we, we had um, a small amount of um, local um, pure honey in it and we, we weren't even aware of the fact that that wasn't vegan. So we had a, we'd had vegan on the list as well. And, oh, we got absolutely, absolutely crucified by the militant um, folk of the, of the vegan society. And, um, you know, it was like that was my first introduction to, like, cancel culture and stuff. And so I was like, hey, <laughs> we're, not, we're not trying to pretend we're something we're not. We didn't know. So we straight away we made a, a vegan option so that they could, they could have it too. And that's generally our approach is, like, you know, we're not, not out to try and misrepresent or offend, um, but uh, you know, it's just you, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so when you know, because obviously the original labelling said traditional gypsy recipe, and then I think myself, maybe some others, sort of contacted you and said, you know, I don't think it is a gypsy recipe, number one, but you know, uh, it's also potentially not a good thing to have on there. What were your what was your uh, reaction to that? Um, because I, I've, I try and speak quite gently about that topic to to people generally, and the the feedback I typically get is is pretty mixed, to be honest. Some people are like, oh, really? I, I didn't know that. They they learn a little bit more about it, and they're like, oh, okay, that that's probably not appropriate to have. Um, others will just sort of say, fuck off, more or less. You know, we'll yeah, do what right. we want to um, because you know, you obviously need to develop a thicker skin and, and don't worry about it kind of thing. Um, so what was your initial reaction? Well, it was initially it was one of surprise. I wasn't familiar with uh, Gypsy being a, 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 we, we thought it was a term of endearment we were putting on and we thought that, you know, traditionally um, good vinegar travels well and it was sort of supposed to be a homage to, you know, that greater umbrella of travelling folk like the, the Romans used Posca and that sort of stuff. So it was meant to be more along the lines of, um, you know, a homage to, to, to that society and that, that mystical sort of a culture. Um, we didn't realise at the time that um, that, that term um, was, you know, pr preserved for the Romani people to, to, to use or not use as, as they saw fit. And, you know, I guess we were a bit taken aback that there was an offence to it. We kind of felt initially this, oh, I'm not, not sure if, if um, you know, it's understood we, we weren't trying to be offensive with it. And then, you know, we pre pretty quickly realised that, well, regardless of the intent, if, if, if it's a term that's causing offence to a group of people who you know, don't really, you know, have the probably, you know, a great strong voice. I still see the term, it still surprises me now that I'm, I'm aware of, of the term and, you know, who it refers to and, and um, how it can be um, considered offensive. I, it's surprising. It's like if you, you, you a colour of a car or a brand of a car that you weren't really aware of just and then you got one and then you see them around all the time. So I see the term around all the time and I sort of think, oh, you know, now, now that I know... Um, a bit more about it. It, it makes me, it, 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 you know, it, well, I, I, the main thing for us is we've got to sleep at night. And so if, if I thought our product was um, benefiting from, you know, we don't want to our, we don't want our product or, or any of our um, success or business model to be built on the oppression or the offense of the genuine offense. I mean, you know, and that that's, of of others and so like we were a real small fledgling business at the time and so it was a big challenge for us to 
you know, change change labels over and the, you know, like the, the terminology in our animation and, and, and all that sort of stuff. But um, again, it was, you know, for us, it was a, a, a the approach that you took, you know, I think when you, when you help people with a genuine educative um, approach and you hold their hands to help step them through what they can do, I think it definitely helps than just beating people over the head. I mean, I know it's different, it's horses for courses, but I often see people with the, with, with, with the same intent take two different approaches. And I always feel like the people who are beating people over the head and telling them they have to do this and that are instantly going to get some recoil and people will get on the defensive. I think if you, the approach that I see for whatever the ism is or that, you know, that people are a proponent of, I find that, that that approach of just educating and letting that settle for a little bit of time and, and then helping them with some ways that they can then, you know, or some alternatives, that sort of stuff. So we, we, we you know, our, the terminology that we use now is traditional folk remedy, which is far better. So in essence, you did us a favour on, I think, a couple of different levels. And so we're yeah. actually very, we're very thankful for it. And, you know, we're constantly learning. But the main thing is, you know, any any or all of, of our success just just can't be built on, you know, like making others feel bad or, you know, especially when it's been brought to your attention clearly um, like, like, like you did for us. And that's, you bring up some really good points because I, I think, you know, that there is a tendency for people to be very vitriolic. And I think we can all fall into it sometimes. You know, I think the, we, we can be overly outraged. We can be, you know, overly mm. triggered. You know, we can try and just cancel and I think that's a big issue. Of course, that doesn't change the fact that there are some real issues underpinning some of those things. But again, it's the way that people approach it. And, you know, I understand, you know, being involved with several businesses, some of them quite large, uh, you know, that, I mean, I, I definitely know what it's like to relabel product. And I know that's not a cheap exercise. And so there needs to be that, that, I guess, gentle approach and that kindness as well to recognize that, you know, in, in your case, you didn't mean to offend anyone. And in some respects, it's not even so much that it's offensive outright. It's more so that it's, it just doesn't quite sit right if, you know, something is called a traditional something when it's not. And, um, you know, we do have a bit of a movement towards this idea that, you know, gypsy, which comes from, that the word Egyptian, which was misapplied to Romani people because we were darker, especially back in the day. Um, and so it was solely, it solely described Romani people for hundreds of years. It's only in the last sort of 50 or so that it was appropriated by the, the counterculture and hippies and things like that. Again, not with any malice, mm. but it was very evocative. Mm. And so one of the interesting things when I discuss this with people is they say, well, you know, there's no... There's no harm and there's no harm intended, and all it means is just you know for a lot of people they say well it just means free spirited wanderer to me. So okay, okay, well that that's that's interesting. Why don't you just say free spirited wanderer? And there's a, a disconnect there because they use the term specifically, and I don't know if this was the case with you guys, but they use the term specifically because it is evocative. So when I ask them, well, why is it evocative? It's because of the, I guess it starts to bring up some of the, the cultural aspects of the Romani people. You know, they start to imagine certain things like the flowing dresses that the women used to wear, like the diclo that the women would wear. 
uh, like the Vado that people used to travel in, you know, so it, it does basically allude to that. And so it is an interesting sort of topic to get into. Um, but again, back to your point, I think it is really important that we're not just coming out and canceling or, or trying to create outrage and offense when there's not outrage and offense. You know, one thing that I talk to a lot with our, our younger, younger members of our community here is that we need to also recognize that in New Zealand and Australia, we are ostensibly white. We have all the privilege that that affords. You know, we're not discriminated against in the same way that Romani people still are in Europe. So we also mm. need to be aware of our own privilege too. So we don't want to take on a victimhood that's not ours. It's more so that we can gently approach these things and say, hey, you know what, this maybe isn't cool. And someone, and most people say, yeah, that's fair. And, and they shift a little bit. Um, and I think we also need to really appreciate when companies like yours make a shift, that, that needs to be appreciated and respected because it's not a cheap exercise. So you've actually put yourself out to not just not offend people, but by proxy to actually help people. That, that's a giving action. I think we really need to be aware of that. And I think that the, the cause is done, um, it, it is most helped by the approach that people like yourself take who have good self-awareness of, of where you sit within, you know, the global um, culture of the Romani people and, and, you know, you mentioned the privilege and stuff that you can enjoy that maybe some of your brothers and sisters in Europe um, aren't able to, to enjoy. Um, and you're not, it's not like you're being offended. It's not like you're someone who's not a Romani who's caught, you know, what, what, what irks me is when offended people on get offended on other people's behalf. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, hang on. Let's, I was talking to this person who is that and mm. that th th didn't have an issue with it. And so, you know, I, I guess my, my, my initial, um, my, my initial sort of um, reaction with anything is, is to, um, and I think it's a pretty human thing. It's just to say, oh, well, you know, hang on, that's not what I meant. But, you know, you just, you just need a chance for whoever's bringing and, and, and that's, that's what we appreciate. It was just a chance to catch a breath and have a think about, okay, well, what, is it, what does it all mean? You know, like how does it, what's the bigger picture here? And, and you know, who do we want to be? And, you know, again, you know, like I, I really do value sleep. <laughs> so I don't want to be going to, trying to go to sleep at night thinking that we're, we're doing something that, you know, is, is considered um, or just not considered is, you know, not the right thing to be doing or an unhelpful, an unhelpful thing. And I think the shift, as, as you mentioned, you know, to traditional folk remedy, it probably encapsulates what it is better. And it's probably more, I mean, it's more in inclusive, more encompassing. And I, I think it's probably just, just it feels like a better branding for, from my point of view. 100%. 100%. So, you know, we, and whilst at the time when, when, when you first brought it to my attention, my heart skipped a beat and I thought, oh shit, what's, what's going on here? Um, it's nice to be able to reflect on, you know, you know, a few years later and, and, and see, and you know, there's still some, some old pictures around and that sort of stuff of the old labels and that sort of stuff, but you just, you, just some of that happens. I think that, you know, you've been really, great in recognizing you know the intent of our business not to continue on down that path and and i think that's the key is is sort of some reasonable then a reasonableness stick around it all as well yeah that's and you know to, to your point things can get ridiculous you know i i know that many romani people have been told to not use the word gypsy by non-romani because apparently it's offensive now 
I don't even want to get into that whole topic because it's, <laughs> it's very complex. You know, particularly, um, I will get into it a little bit because I think some of the listeners will, won't know much about the culture and whatnot, but Romanichal and Kale people from the UK, um, so United Kingdom gypsies, will, will commonly use the term gypsy as a self-identifier. Really common. Whereas people from Europe, obviously because it's, you know, it, it, that wasn't the term in their local language, won't use that term. And often when they move to English-speaking countries, they'll take a lot of offense to the term. But it, really when it's applied as a self-identifier, it's not really an issue. So for, I, I would say for most Romani people, most of the time, it's not the word that's offensive. That is something that people are quite proud about. It's more so when it's, it's either used by non-Romani or, or aspects of the culture and customs are sort of fetishized by people that that, you know, can be offensive because there are still, you know, particularly for the older people, there are still a lot of wounds there that haven't quite been healed. You know, it was only this year, for example, in New Zealand that uh, we were invited to contribute to the education program around the Holocaust because, Traditionally, it would just purely been about the Jewish experience of the Holocaust, which obviously yeah, right. is we, we need to learn about. But mm. there were also two million Romani people, or up to two million Romani people, who were killed in the in the what we call the Potash Mosque as well. So these are the things that are still open wounds for a lot of the the, the older folky in, in the Romani community. And so, you know, that that's why it's one of those things that's interesting now because you can hear, you know, some people will sort of say, well you know, Scottish people were discriminated against in the past. And it's kind of like, well, yeah, I get it. I'm part Scottish, but it, it's not a, a current thing, right? Mm. Whereas a, a lot of things that are still issues now within the world, you know, they're the things that actually need to be dealt with, not historical injustices. Yeah, we know the Philistines were discriminated against in the Middle East back in the, you know, year zero <laughs> or whatever, but that's not really a, a thing now. Mm. So anyway, it's, it is an interesting topic and I guess you go down the rabbit hole, but I know that one thing is that when your company decided to make that shift, it was really appreciated. Mm. So although the community is quite small and so it doesn't have a loud voice, people were really appreciative of that and they really recognized the, the work and the expense that went into it. Um, and that's why, you know, one of the things that I want to do is not to be sort of attacking people, more so to be talking with people and where they make a shift um, that I think we'd all agree is probably in the right direction to appreciate that and promote it, you know, and show that people are out there just taking a pragmatic view. You know, it's not like we're going to have to be bleeding heart liberals flying a flag from the roof. It's more so, Hey, this doesn't seem right. Yeah. Okay. We, we can try and shift that where we can. I think that that approach is key. It's, it's, you know, it's not just, signaling your Romani virtue, you know, for the sake of it, it's actually genuinely, and, and this is the, the, the key I, I picked up earlier, is that, that you're, you're, you're being helpful is always right. Whereas being right isn't always helpful. And you can find, you can find lots of ways to be right and it'll actually be unhelpful for, for the, what you're trying to do um, yeah. with that recognition and that cause. But I think the helpful approach that, that you're taking there. Um, you know, it's 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 the one that's most likely, I think, to to sort of head you, you know, head, head you further down that road. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it, it's a bit of a trap, you know, because it, it is hard to be pragmatic mm. when you know. And the, I know that the terms overused now, and I don't like it, but this term mm. triggered, you know, people get mm. triggered by things, mm. they get offended, mm. they get outraged. 
that's very compelling because mm. emotion drives action. So people want to be enraged. You know, that's why social media drives that kind of emotion in us. You know, it's designed to do that. Um, so we get outraged. It drives us to action. We feel right. And I think that's one of the, the most dangerous things is when you feel that you're in the right. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you might have a sense that, Hey, this is the right direction we should be moving in, but we also need to recognize there's a whole lot of nuance within there, you know, and that's important because I think the most important thing we can do is be kind, you know, be kind to people at the end of the day, oh. that takes precedence over everything else. hundred percent. And, and also I feel like in, you know, it's just a race. It seems like there's just a race for people to cancel. For me, I don't think emotion and logic generally operate well with a chip. I think you pull one chip out and put the other chip in, you put them both in together. They don't play well together. I don't think. And I feel like let's be, let's, let's, let's see if we can work towards a tolerant society where I can, I can agree or disagree with you on some things, but we can still get along. You know, we don't have to be in check step on everything to be able to, you know, work together or, you know, have a relationship or something like that. It's like things, whether it's political or religion or that sort of stuff, for so long you've been able to, up until I think the last few years, you've been able to be politically different um, or religiously different or, you know, non-religious or whatever. But now it just seems like it's, so everything's so polarising and you need to pick a team or a tribe and, yeah. you know, and logic's gone out and tribalism's gone in and it's just, it seems to be a main driver and it's really concerning. Yeah, I, I agree because often, you know, that polarity drives absolutism. So if, for example, you're on the left side of the political spectrum, that means that every, every agenda of the left you should believe in. But of course that's, that's not the case. Yeah, that's exactly. And so <laughs> everything that Trump does is bad. Well, I'm not a Trump supporter, but there are a couple of pieces of legislation put through that I think were valid. And, 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 that's, <laughs> and that's where we've got to be able to, you know, um, live, in the ga- live in the gray. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like the, the, we're, we're, we've gone term. binary, you know, and, and we're, we're, everything's black or white, but we, we need to learn to exist in the gray because black and white is you know, as you mentioned before, it's, it's too absolute. Yeah. It's a one thing that I've really tried to do the last few years is if I feel myself getting offended or I feel myself taking a reactionary position, I, I try to stop and evaluate why that is. Now in doing so, we're often going to find things that we, we don't agree with. And we think maybe these are unjust in some way, but we're also going to realize that a lot of that is also coming from, or aspects of it at least are coming from the fact that we want to encourage that emotion. We want to be right. You know, we want to be seen as, as as horrible as it is. People also want to be seen as victims because that means that they're, they're special. You know, you're, you're appreciated that little bit more. And I just, exactly. And I just don't think that's an empowering place to be. You know, and it certainly, and it makes enemies of others as well. And that's, that's not necessary. Yeah, I agree. hundred percent. Well, we sort of delved off into a little bit of politics and stuff, which I think is good because that was obviously a, one of the reasons that I wanted to chat with you. But um, I'm also really interested in the, the, the journey of you and your business, mainly because, you know, I've been in the health field for a long time. I, I, I have, you know, several business, businesses, I'm involved in several businesses, but I also mentor nowadays a lot of young 
you know, people in health and fitness. And a lot of them want to get into product. And it's really interesting to me that you have what is a true artisanal product. You know, it's a real cottage industry that's made good. And that's not always, that, that's not common, I don't think. You know, you have certainly done something that is not really the norm to take something outside of that artisanal startup into a, a growing business and then still be able to keep that artisanal touch to it. That, that's very unique. So what, what do you attribute the success overall of Firetonic to thus far? I think that we've been really true. So Firetonic, I feel like Firetonic is, I think of it as like almost like a person with its own personality and, 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 and it needs to be, you know, authentically. Um, yeah. I think just think it's about the authenticity and the personality of it. We've really kept, I've kept, so all the social media and all, all that sort of stuff up until now, um, I've just done it all myself personally. So it's, it's my personality coming out through it. And that's why we've got to make sure that the words on it and stuff are okay. Cause it's not, it's not just about um, uh, offense or, you know, in, 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 a, in inappropriate language or accuracy and that sort of stuff. It's also a reflection of, of me. So I see a lot of myself in the product and you'll notice it's quite a, um, it's quite a masculine looking thing too. And so what we found with that is that that helps bring blokes into the yeah. fray and, and who, who wouldn't otherwise be, they're not the first ones to think about health and stuff. It's usually the, the mum that buys a product, but it doesn't seem to put the females off it. You know, they're a bit less precious about that yeah. than us blokes. Uh, I, that, that's a really interesting point because I, I hadn't thought about asking any questions about that, but the, the people who initially introduced me to Phytonic were all women in the health field and they loved it. And, you know, it's, that might seem counterintuitive because it does have that sort of slightly masculine, you know, it's like the old carnival type look, or maybe it's the sort of bourbon whiskey type look, whatever it is. But interestingly, I don't think I've ever observed that to be off-putting for women. And in some respects, maybe that's even more positive because, you know, unfortunately in this industry, at least we get a lot of pinkwashing. You know, we see it with products all the time where we might work with particular companies and they'll bring out a, you know, female product. And it's the same thing as what they're selling to guys, but it's more expensive. Yeah, right. <laughs> and that's, that's just craziness, you know? Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've, so that's just something that wasn't purposeful. It was just, again, it's just a reflection of, um, <clears throat> of what I like <laughs> seeing. And I, it's a nice, I feel like it's a nice, strong sort of label. I like that it, it borrows from that old, and as I said, it takes the piss out of itself a bit because it borrows from that old snake oil type, you know, charm and bottle cure all type type thing. But again, we want it to be fun. We want it to have, you know, a big personality. We're confident in the the product and you know how it works and how it helps and you know um, all that type of stuff. So we we were happy to have a bit of a play with it, and we're just going through a process now. We're bringing out a couple new versions of. Um, which is exciting. And one of them is going to have, um, it'll be a shroom tonic and it's going to have chaga and lion's mane in it. And it's really nice. It's a really dark one. And when you shake it up, it looks like a Guinness. It's got like a really foamy white top on it. It's a really dark one. So um, you know I'm crazy about mushrooms, right? Well, do you know I am too? (laughs) It's awesome. Like I, I've just, I, well, I just cooked up some um, lactarius deliciosus and um, some lapista nuda last night from my yesterday's forage. 
Well, that yeah, we um we've had a really bad beginning of the season here because it's been so dry. We've had a really warm, dry autumn. Oh, okay. How's the opposite? Um, <laughs> yeah, a massive flush. Well, I see the pictures from you know because I'm in a lot of the mushroom hunting groups and things like that. Yeah. I see all the pictures coming across from Aussie, and it looks amazing. But we yeah, have, yeah. um we we do have around here a lot of oh we've got a lot of all sorts of things. We we forage a lot of just locally in the local parks for mm. um you know we've got native oysters here. Oh yeah. Uh, we've got a lot of, you know, sticky bun bullets, the sweetless granulators. Really? Oh, yeah. Uh, um, uh, yeah oh, uh, they're all over the place. So you've got a lot of porcinis over there? No, no porcinis in Auckland. They're, they're down south, though. Oh, uh, okay. Um, you do get some yeah. birch bullets up here, but not, not so yeah, frequently. Yeah. But, you know, the, the sticky bun bullets are not as good eating, but they're so plentiful. There's so many of them oh, around. They're, so. Yeah, they're everywhere. They're like... Uh, they like practice your golf shots with them over here. Exactly. <laughs> well, exactly the same. But because of that, a lot of people don't forage for them. But you know, we, we enjoy yeah. them. We think the taste is great. Yeah, um, I like drying them out. They, they they just soak up so much. Like the silius granulatus and that sort of stuff. Um, they soak up so much um, moisture. They're just massive sponges. So you just really got to get young ones on a young ones after a couple of dry days. Are my favourites, and yeah. I actually quite like drying them and making them powder. And then um, after drying, dehydrating them and powdering, I find it's just a little pinch in, you know, um, dishes that, that lend themselves to having mushrooms in them that you might, you know, have yeah. truffles or something with like, you know, often Italian sort of style ones that mm. I really like for that. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we, we forage basically every day. Um, yeah, great. All sorts of interesting things. And sometimes it's not even about bringing anything home. It's just about taking photos of interesting fungi and identifying it you know uh we yeah. see i saw my first uh ophiocordyceps in the wild a few weeks back oh, yeah? which was really nice. cool um i hadn't seen a lot of like basket fungus things like that and i'm starting to see yeah, those yeah. popping up around so there's you know it's such an a fascinating area for all sorts of reasons because obviously e ecologically they're so important um but then you know as a food, they're amazing. And as wow. in terms of their medicinal properties, yeah, yeah. You know, there, there's obviously a lot there as well. And I'm also, you know, as all my listeners will know, I'm also very into entheogenic medicine as well. So I, right. I think there are very interesting aspects of the, the psychedelic nature of some of these things as well. Yeah. Well, we've got to, um, I don't know what we're allowed to talk about with that, but I, 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 I um, definitely think that there's, more study required in in particular with microdosing and, and 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 that type of thing. I think it can be particularly beneficial and yeah. you know um, similar to a lot of things. I, I guess and, and if it's not if it's not big farmer, it's there's some it, it tends to be some latency with you know how it's picked up or perceived. Anything natural seems to be just more on the back burner. And I and I don't know all the different. Um, elements at play there but uh, it's definitely i think something that um warrants more uh, i know paul stamets is doing a, a massive world um survey and study where people can um, record their their effects he's got an app out um and you can just record how you're feeling that sort of stuff if you do yeah. if you do do some of that um and he's a great proponent uh, of that but um yeah i feel like with all the different you know pharmaceuticals that are around to help people you know, with, with motivation and anxiety and that sort of stuff, I, I, I really hope that um, they they start to, you know, study st study more some of the natural things that they, we can get hold of that nature's provided for us that can that can have similar um, similar results with, with with less side effects and more abundance and more accessibility. Yeah, no, I, I agree one hundred percent. 
one of the, the big areas that I am, am a, I guess, a vocal proponent of is that we need to go beyond sport and disease, right? Because most of the yeah. research is driven by yeah. one of those two things, right? It's performance because there's money there and there's treatment of disease. And I think both those things are important. You know, I'm, I'm a, an athlete. I also obviously work in clinical nutrition. So a big part of that is, you know, working with disease and disorder. But I think the challenge is that we tend to limit it to that. So if we're talking about, for example, the use of psychedelic compounds, or we're talking about the use of cannabinoids, we tend yeah. to, I think, because it's societally, it's societally safe, you know, it's more acceptable to talk about those in the context of treating depression or PTSD or whatever it happens to be, that that's allowed. But I think we need to go further than that. I think we need to actually start looking at how things might help other people, you know, people who are otherwise healthy. Are there additional benefits? You know, can we get improvements in, in human potential overall? And the reason I think that's so important is I don't think we can keep on in a society that lords overwork and basically being a, a cog in the machine because the world has some very big challenges. And I think the only way we're going to transcend those challenges is if people can really become more creative and passionate and purposeful in their lives. And hey, if something that comes out of the ground could help with that, let's investigate it. You know, we'll only know when we research it. I couldn't agree more. And I, and I, and I like, I like that idea of, I, I'm not sure what the, the term you'd umbrella on, but just like the, the general wellness of, of common folk, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I like, I like that, that, why can't that be a thing? <laughs> why can't we just, you know, a general everyday, you know, average person who doesn't, you know, isn't cl uh, clinically um, uh, diagnosed as A, B or Z, but just wants to, get be able to get along and get through their day a bit better and feeling a bit better about themselves or having a bit more motivation to do this or that or you know having the creative juices flowing for um something that's a bit more inspirational than just whatever else might be making up their day exactly and maybe you know maybe if people do not just through obviously entheogens but through other things they can do in their lifestyle and you know learning just a little bit more about the human condition maybe then people will will get off that treadmill just a little bit. You know, I'm not completely anti-materialistic. I think that's naive in this modern world, but certainly the, the unending desire for more and more and more is, I, I think everyone would agree, is not helpful. Um, so I think when we have these breakthroughs, whether it comes from meditation or, you know, getting in the zone in a sport or maybe having an entheogenic experience, I think all of those can help provide those epiphanical moments where we realize that, Hey, there's a, there's a lot more going on here than just needing that next thing. Yeah. Stuff, you know, people just want stuff. And for me, you know, my, my kind of life vision is to um, be able to create choice and have the wisdom to choose. Well, that's for me, my personal um, sort of mantra, my, my life mantra is that, you know, um, be able to create choice and then have the wisdom to choose. Well, that's really cool. So uh, given, um, given, given where you guys have come from, and there's a lot of people out there who, who love this area, you know, who want to get into mm. something, and there, there's a lot more people out there creating now, creating interesting things, you know, mm. particularly in that health food sort of space. Um, what advice would you give someone who wants to, to get into that, that field of health, health food or artisanal sort of food products? I think... I think it's important to 
to do something that you genuinely have an affinity with and, and, and love yourself. Um, yeah. Because you, if you're going to spend the time on it, you know, as an entrepreneur and that it's, it's a lot of time. And so if you actually really believe in it and enjoy it and use it, it feels like time well spent. It's not all about just making the, the, the dollar. Um, it's about being really passionate about what you're doing, um, feeling like you've actually got something good to offer. And, you know, like it's nice. It's nice. You can, there's a lot of different ways you can make a dollar. Um, it's nice to think that your, you, that your income is derived from um, helping people, you know. And um, so just have a think about what, you know, for, for me, it's, it's about, that authenticity, I, I, I think that that's that's the key word. Yeah, yeah. I, I think be authentic. Just make sure you've got a product that you really um, enjoy. And for us to try and share the journey with people who you like spending with. Don't don't waste time on dickheads. Get your dickhead <laughs> yeah. filter. Put you get your dickhead filter front and center, and make sure that don't don't spend your time. So the other thing I would say is, don't feel like you have to hard sell. So what we did was when we first, when we first out, we, there's, there's enough people around that will want a product that's going to work. Yeah. Instead of spending 90% of your time trying to convince the 10% of the people hard sell it, who won't actually celebrate it and put it in the right spot in your shop anyway, spend, grab that time, spend it on the ones who love the product, help them work out how to best display it, give them extra samples, feed and nurture them and let it grow out from a good space. That's yeah. my other thing I would do. It, there's a lot of really good business concepts in, embedded in there. You know, the, it's almost like you're describing the, um, you know, Pareto principle in terms of working with the people. Yes, who are most yeah, 2080. Yeah, exactly. but it's not necessarily from, you know, most people approach that from a pure economics point of view. Whereas, you know, it's also about the people that get it you know, you're not trying to do the hard sell because, hey, you can sell the sizzle off a steak once, but you can't do it more than that, right? There's got to actually be some substance there and there's got to be the connection. Um, I love what you say as well about, you know, finding that thing that is not, you're not just excited about, but can be sustainable. And that's something I see so often. I've done it myself. You know, something pops up and it's like, that would be a really exciting business to get into. So, you know, even though I've got too much on my plate, I might launch into that. But I, I realized a few months down the track that the excitement wasn't enough because there's something not quite right with it. And when I actually go back and think about it, it's because maybe an element of it didn't mesh with my core ethos and values. So, you know, there it's really about knowing, I guess it, come, it comes down to knowing your why, you know, and understanding what your ethical position is and making sure that what you're doing, you can be passionate about and it meshes with your values as well. Yeah, and having maybe also understanding what, you you know, getting a clear vision and mission for yourself and what it is you want to do. Like I've got mine just listed right up there in my office. You know? and our mission is to consistently produce high-quality, innovative, cultured food and drinks. And, and the vision is to share our real food journey and the home-free message in a fun and informative way. And so you can use your vision and your mission as a clear filter and you can filtrate your interactions, mm. your non-interactions, your, your decisions, you know, um, your suggestions, your comments, your queries. That, that's really interesting because one thing I noticed, and again, it's just popped up now because of your mission, is that you, you, it seems like you haven't tried to over-diversify, which can be a real problem 
in a business, particularly, you know, a small to medium sized business, you stuck to your guns, you're putting out in the main, uh, your, your tonics. And I know you've got the hot sauces as well, but it seems like they're all very, very closely aligned. You haven't gone off and done something completely different. Yeah, actually it's funny you mentioned that because at the start I was trying to make everything. I was, yeah. and we, we were selling commercial, we were selling kimchi, we were selling sauerkraut, I was selling kefir drinks and, and that sort of stuff. And it was, it was crazy. So we've got our, our core base products are our fire tonic branded master tonics. Um, and which of which we have the original, um, the the vegan, which and then the vegan one instead of honey we use organic coconut nectar and it's actually it's really nice. Wow, that's really cool. And then we have our extra our extra hot or a black label and um, that's soon to be. I can I can I'll re- reveal this here. So this is a scoop if you like. But we're just playing around with the the black label. Soon going to have um, a, like a little chili in the base of it, like you might get a, a worm in the tequila. Cool. <laughs> so that's so I'm excited about that. So our next round of that will that that will be the case. And then um, uh, so then we can so we're giving so they're our premium range. And then we've got so that that's that's the absolute core of the business is those three products um, with the original one, that white label one being our our our, our probably 65% of our sales. And then, and then, so you need to, you've got to be careful about um, being that $2 shop. You know, you start off with an identity and some authenticity mm. and then someone down the road starts doing this. And so we'll just get that in. And someone down the road starts doing that. We'll just get that in. Oh, we'll make the price this. And then this, you, you become a homogenized, sh- you know, street of shops all doing the same thing. So get, you know, identify the passion and, and the authenticity and the identity and then try and use that as an anchor for everything else. And so we want our other stuff to be strongly identified with. So, uh, the, the, for example, the, the shroom tonic, um, you know, be, it, it's going to be a variation on that. Um, and our, um, we're going to do a, a, a bush tonic um, as well. And that's going to be what we're doing is we're doing a collaboration with our, um, the Wadawarung people um, and we're using awesome. some bush bush indigenous ingredients in it we get a, a local Wadawarung man who's an artist who's going to help us do an original art piece which we can grab some assets from for the business and then five percent of all all sales off the top are just going to go straight to the local Wadawarung people that's awesome yeah and so that's exciting as well and so just again just tapping into the community element of it you know recognizing you know our original inhabitants and some of the the the, the bush ingredients that were accessible to them that we can use as well um, and so and, and again it's got a good feel to it we, that's important to us to enjoy the journey with good people along the way because you know life isn't about the accumulation of stuff it's about spending and it doesn't cost anything to, to spend time with good people doing good things yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, I'm sure you're, you're the same. I mean, you obviously are because you've just said that you're doing things in this, in this ilk. But, you know, to, to have businesses that can, can be meaningfully contributing back to communities as well is just su- such a blessing, you know, to, to be able to have that as part of what you're doing. Um, you know, it's, it's yeah. all very, very integrated rather than the idea that we often have that we'll accumulate and then at some point we'll be able to give something back i mean often it ends up yeah. it's not happening right yeah it's interesting there's so many different notions about that isn't it that's what you hear you hear you hear people say well look just make the money however you've got to make it and then you can be philanthropic and it's just like oh yeah but 
along the way, you've got to feel good about it, don't you? Surely. Yeah, well, I, I, I think so. Some people don't, but it's certainly something yeah, I believe. Yeah, I'm, yeah. And again, I'm not, I really don't even consider myself a business person. I, I'm really, I still feel very green on the business side of things. I feel like I've got a good head around, you know, um, creating some, some nice products and I like spending my time on the products and, you know, we've got, we've delved into some um, sparkling switchels now, which uh, again are a vinegar based sort of product and, and, and date back to like the 1700s um, yeah. in the hay fields in, you know, North America in particular and, and through the Caribbean as well. But it's, it's essentially, it's, you know, it's vinegar, some sort of um, natural sweetener like a, a honey, which is what we use because we try and none of our products are, you know, they're all refined sugar free um, or they might use maple syrup or they might use, you know, some um, molasses was another one that they used back in the day, which is, you know, got lo- lots of other um, good, good, good stuff in it. But um, along with some apple cider vinegar and some um, ginger. And so we've used that as a basis for our, uh, you know, and, and again, it's like it, the, the, what would happen would be back in the day. It's like the original sports drink because back in the day in the hayfield, you'd be sweating it out and that sort of stuff. And the the you know um, the 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 um, the matriarch of the farm would come out and she'd have a big pitcher full of um, <laughs> she'd be swirling around. You know, just like fresh pulped ginger with apple cider vinegar and honey and ice in it and stuff. And you'd and it'd pinch of salt and you'd be feeding back you know it's like the first electrolyte drink really yeah i mean it sounds pretty good yeah that's actually uh, this is completely tangential um and i know you're you're probably short of time now but i remember when i was doing some work with a a dairy company years and years ago in new zealand Uh, they're a really innovative company they weren't one of the biggies they were doing some really cool stuff they were the first company to really start doing uh ultra filtered milk in new zealand australia okay yeah right um, but we were looking at some functional beverages and because I was into weightlifting back in the, the day, I used to be a competitive weightlifter. Uh, I was really into the old school weightlifters, you know, Arthur yeah, Saxon, okay. and the Saxon brothers, Eugene Sandow, all those kind of guys. Anyway, they were Olympic, they were Olympic, Olympic style lifters, were they? Well, it was before the Olympics. This is back in the sort of late 19th uh, century. Okay. So sort what of sort thing. of lifts, what, what sort of lifts would they be doing? Um, well, I used to compete in all round weightlifting, which is what was the original form of weightlifting. So that's what those guys would have done. And it was basically yep. at a competition, they would just set the, the lifts for that event. And yeah, out okay. of about, you know, 140 odd recognized weightlifts there would, they would pick usually four to 10 lifts. And nowadays, oh, the, okay, right. That diverse. Yeah. So now the major competitions are about six lifts. There's usually two days. You do three lifts on day one, three lifts on day two. But a lot of it's the stuff you see in these old black and white pictures of guys doing like one arm snatches and yeah, you know, great. holding a weight over here while they pick up another one off the ground kind of thing. Oh, wow. So yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. Functional stuff. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Functional stuff. And most of them, you know, came from laboring backgrounds and things. So they obviously had that real world type strength. Um, but it was interesting because I was reading through some of the old books by Arthur Saxon, who was considered one of the strongest men of all time. And he and his brothers used to basically train all day, but they didn't, go constantly they would do a lift and they'd have a little rest and they'd do a lift mm-hmm. have a rest and they used to drink uh cream or, or or full fat milk but usually cream or full fat milk mixed with stout and sugar wow and so we thought oh well, we might make a stout milk and so we trialed all these sort of flavors we never ended up producing it but right. it tasted surprisingly good but it's wow. just another example of that old school kind of approach to to sports drinks well, so that stout, if you get a really nice creamy stout, you can see how it could lend itself to that flavor-wise. Definitely. 
Yeah, and I think they're compatible. Well, they they call them milk stouts, don't they, or cream stouts? Uh, Something like that. Well, I wouldn't. I don't know the terminology, but it wouldn't surprise me because you get that beautiful, you know, that creaminess all the way through, and then that lovely sort of head on it. Yeah. Hey, so I, I always wrap up by asking everyone the same question, and it can put you on the spot a little bit, but that's okay. Oh, I should have done my study, shouldn't I? So I had an answer ready. I... That's all right. <laughs> you're you're obviously uh, you know involved in this this health space, and you've obviously got a you know good approach to to your own health overall. Um, so. Sometimes. Yeah. And that, that's good because it's a pragmatic approach, right? <laughs> yes. But if you could think of just one thing, what is the one thing that people could do each and every day to help them live a life of health, happiness, passion, and purpose? It could be, could be anything, but what is the one thing that comes to mind for you? So for me, I think I have something to look forward to. Interesting. Yeah. So I think, you know, just so that 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 that, that day's because each day might have a different purpose and that sort of stuff. But I just think we and and we think when we think about we often think about just you know physical health, yeah, um, and 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 well being. And obviously, you know, it's the the mind is is so important. And you know, so whether it's an activity or it's a catch up with someone or it's something I just like to, I like the idea of, you know, whether I plan it out the day before or on that day, it's just like, what's my fun thing today? What's my, what's my little celebration point? What's my little, um, you know, whether it's a treat or I I don't know, but just on the overall balance, I mean, I think we can, we can become a bit robotic and we just trundle through life. Yeah. With things predetermined for us and we don't, we don't really think about it as much. So it's just a matter of just taking a minute to think, okay, well, what am I looking forward to today? And if I haven't got something, well, fuck, it's going to be a shit day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Get exactly. something. If I don't have something I'm looking forward to today, make something happen. I, I think, Mark, that might be one of the best tips that anyone's ever said. Because, you know, I, I think so often we do, we do go to the mechanistic. You know, we think about the thing that we can do, the tactic that we can do that day to sort of particularly improve our health, right? And one thing I've been, I've given a a talk a bunch of times over the last couple of years at various events on we need to go beyond health. And what I mean by that is it's not that health's not important. Health's the foundation really for a lot of the things we want to do because obviously it helps to make us, you know, helps us to perform better or be more effective in what we want to do. But the problem I think is that we've become so fixated on an idea of health particularly the idea of health that we get through social media, that that becomes the goal. And so I always ask people, well, if you could snap your fingers and have that state of health right now, would you be happy? People are like, I'm not sure. I don't think I would be because they might have an idea that means they've got the abs or they've got the, you know, the crack and booty or whatever it is, or they've got this life that they see on Instagram, but that may not mesh with what they actually want their optimal life to be. And so I think little tips like that where, you know, on the micro level, just focusing on, hey, what's going to be fun today? That, that's really cool because it's something we often don't do. And, and, as a, and as a tail off from that, I, I really like the idea of the health benefits um, being incidental to the activities that you enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's got to be right. Otherwise, it's not going to be sustainable. There's, our willpower only lasts 
a very short period of time. So we've got to love those things yeah. that we're doing. And you don't want to be resenting the, the stuff that's helping you get to the physical or mental state you want to be along the way. So I think we've got to run, you know, the fun stick over things and try and enjoy, do our best to, to enjoy it along the way. Awesome, Mark. Well, hey, mate, I, I've really enjoyed this chat. Um, I, I knew I would, but I didn't realize I'd, I never re didn't realize I'd enjoy it this much. And you've yeah, given same. us some awesome tips on not just business, but life. And so I really appreciate it, mate. I appreciate you and what you're doing. I, I really enjoyed it, Cliff. And I think that you're doing some great things. I love your approach. And, um, you know, you're really easy to spend some time with chatting. I'd love to have a coffee one day as well. We'll do that, mate. All right. Well, thanks for having me anyway. No problems. Thanks for listening to the Carb Appropriate Podcast. To sign up for member-only benefits, go to cliffharvey.com. Or to learn about studying to become a nutrition coach, health coach, or clinical or sports nutritionist, go to holisticperformance.institute.